In November 2017, Kyle Oden was sentenced to 25 years in prison for shooting Pastor Tim Remington six times in the back. Remington survived being shot. Oden went on the run from police and sent a manifesto to KHQ News before he was arrested in Washington, D.C., where he was caught throwing items over the White House fence. Kyle Odom was born and raised in North Idaho. He joined the Marine Corps after high school and developed an interest in science. He went to school for a degree in biochemistry, won numerous scholarships and awards, graduated magna and then got invited to prestigious universities to work on genetics. We're going to take a look at his manifesto, which is strange to say the least. As you can see, I'm pretty smart. I'm also 100% sane. A 0% crazy. My life was ruined by an intelligent species of amphibian humanoids. I wish I was joking, but keep reading. They were here long before we ever existed. Their technology is millions of years more advanced than ours. I've seen them do things that defy all comprehension. They have a massive breeding stock of humans which they breed and control from birth. They use these humans to live vicarious lives among us. They appear to be completely normal because they're good at imitating human behaviour. See Martian technology he's referring to a document of his, for an explanation on this. He continues, The actual Martians live deep underground here and inside the moon. They take control of wild human beings and use them as slaves. Don't believe me? Ask President Obama to take a lie detector test on this one. He says, they tried to take me, but were unable to control my mind. They've been following me ever since. I tried everything to get my life back. I begged, I bargained. Everything I tried to do was sabotaged. I attempted suicide twice, but they stopped me both times. My last resort was to take actions that would bring this to the public's attention. Those actions, of course, were shooting the pastor, who did fortunately survive. He says my story, Spring 2014, Idaho. I believe everything started while I was at the University of Idaho. It was my final semester and I was taking a heavy course load. See transcript, he says. I was very stressed due to the intensity of my schedule, so I searched for a way to cope. I discovered meditation, which seemed to help, so it became part of my daily routine. As I kept working on my meditation techniques, I began achieving extreme states of consciousness. This continued until I encountered another being through meditation. It happened one night, and it was the most profound experience I've ever had. I suddenly left my physical body and I encountered a space that was completely dark. 
I had no awareness of my physical boundaries. I felt very peaceful there until a blue light began to approach me. As it got closer, I realised it was another being. I felt an immediate sense of wrongdoing. It felt like I was being told, you shouldn't be here. I instantly felt guilty, then I began to distance myself from the being. That moment, I became overwhelmed by a feeling I can only describe as unconditional love. Our minds became connected. I began to feel the most blissful feelings I've ever felt. It was incredibly powerful. Next thing, I woke up with tears in my eyes. I felt a profound sense of loss, like I'd lost someone close to me. Later, the experience left my mind against my will. After that, I had no urge to meditate at all. Every time I even thought about it, the thought was stripped from my mind. The semester became exceedingly easy. I felt like I'd tapped into some kind of power. I was exerting no mental effort, even though the classes were extremely difficult before. I began to have a depth of understanding I had never reached before. About a month later, I accepted the offer from Baylor College of Medicine to work on a PhD in human genetics. I was very excited about the opportunity to work at such a prestigious university. The future looked bright. I couldn't wait to get started. July 2014 through October 2014. Houston, Texas. He says everything changed the moment I started the program. The moment I arrived, I could see flaws in every professor's research. My mind was so expanded that I could instantly understand the implications of entire research projects. Because of this, I was able to see weaknesses in all of the projects. I felt like I was wasting my time. I voiced my concerns to my advisor and he casually brushed them aside. He told me, just have fun, it'll be fun. I kept trying to get motivated, but things continued to get worse. I started seeing flaws in the foundations of genetics. It got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about them. To make things worse, no one else seemed to care, which really bothered me. These issues made it impossible for me to continue. So I decided to leave. The day after I decided to leave, my life became a living hell. I couldn't sleep and my mind felt sapped. I was entirely at peace with my decisions, so I knew something strange was happening to me. After a few days of this, two of the graduate students began reaching out to me. I barely knew them, so it seemed unusual that they would contact me. When I went to see them, they both kept pointing their finger at me, saying, pew, pew, like they were shooting a gun. They did this over and over, and I kept wondering what their problem was. Months after I left Houston, I was told that they were not human. They were tasked with making me into the next school shooter. 
I imagine this is why many of our school shootings take place. Anyway, things slowly improved after I stopped talking with them, but I was mentally exhausted. I tried to figure out what to do with my life, but I could hardly think. Eventually, I left Texas and started applying for jobs all over the country. A few months later, things took a strange turn. October 2014 through August 2015, Idaho, spring 2015. I finally secured an interview with a food company. I thought I was about to get something going with my life, but I was wrong. I couldn't sleep at all the night before the interview. I literally stayed awake the entire night, which had never happened to me before. I looked unrecognisable in the mirror the next morning, and my mind felt sapped, worse than it had in Houston. Needless to say, the interview didn't go well. I couldn't think, and I had extreme difficulty with normal conversation. After the interview was over, I suddenly felt fine and looked perfectly normal. I slept great that night and made my way to the airport the next morning. This is where the story gets weird. On the plane ride back home, my seat was taken. I asked the flight attendant, and she directed me to a new seat. Once I sat down, an old gentleman in front of me kept glancing back until he got my attention. As he kept looking back, my head began to hurt and tingle. The moment my head began to hurt, his lips curled up into this evil-looking smile. The pain and tingling in my head continued for the rest of the flight, and got more intense as time went on. Every time I felt it, the man would start taking notes in a notepad. About halfway through the flight, someone else in front of me held up a newspaper. That said, psychic reading, for like five minutes straight. It was blatantly obvious they were doing something to me, but I didn't know what. Once we landed, the older gentleman kept showing me his track phone, as if to say, "Get one of these." I had applied to several government agencies before this happened, so I thought this might be their way of contacting me. Out of curiosity, I decided to go and buy a track phone. I checked it every day to see if anyone messaged or called. About a month later, I got a text message from a man named John Padula. He invited me to come to church at the altar. It seemed like a strange place to be recruiting for government jobs, but I went anyway. After I got there and went inside, something felt very wrong. I felt as if my life was in danger, and I became so uncomfortable I had to leave. A couple days later, I started receiving text messages from a Tim Ribbington. At first, they were innocuous Bible messages. But then he started threatening me. He sent messages talking about their power. He did all of this through Bible verses, so it wouldn't look suspicious. I ignored everything until one final text message 
which simply said angels. I thought nothing of it until helicopters started flying around my house all day and all night. At this point, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I needed to contact them. So I made an appointment to meet John Padula for coffee. Little did I know, he had no intention of meeting me. After making the appointment to meet John, something very bizarre happened. I received the most unnatural, and he blacks this bit out, so the most unnatural something I have ever felt. It felt like someone was manually pumping blood into my... And again, he blacks this bit out, so we don't know what. He says, I don't know how else to describe it. Immediately after that, a song began playing in my head, in my mind. The lyrics went, sister, sister, he's just a plaything. We want to make him stay up all night. I had never heard this song before, and I had no idea what it meant. I tried to ignore it and kept searching for jobs. A few minutes later, this song quit playing. Nothing else happened. Until I tried to go to sleep that night. As soon as I got into bed, the song started again. Sister, sister, he's just a plaything. We want to make him stay up all night. As it turned out, they weren't kidding. I literally got zero minutes of sleep that night. Every time I started to drift off, I was woken up violently, and then the song would play. When the sun came up, I'd given up on trying to sleep and got out of bed. I was relieved at first because the song had quit playing. I thought the torture was over, until a voice entered my mind. The voice said, you're going to be uncomfortable. All you have to do is breathe. I sat there wondering what this meant until the voice told me I was going to be sacrificed like Jesus and get beheaded. This threw me into a complete panic. My heart began racing and I started to have a mental breakdown. A few minutes later, some man knocked on my door. I answered and he gave me a pamphlet talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. My mind was racing out of control and I became delirious. I thought for sure I was going to die. My thoughts shifted to my family and all I could think about was seeing them again. They were in Albuquerque at the time, so I decided to buy a one-way ticket there. When I reached Spokane Airport, my panic subsided. Everything was fine, until I got onto the plane. I sat next to this huge man who kept telling me telepathically that he was going to crash the plane. Every time after he spoke, he would sniff, emphatically. I didn't know what to do, so I just sat there trying to stay as calm as possible. The man became angry about this and started touching my leg. The second he touched me, I could feel him inside my mind. This caused me to panic until I was on the verge of causing a scene. Before I did anything, he told me to calm down. He said, great, you did a great job, you passed. Go, enjoy your family. We have a job waiting for you when you get back. I thanked him. My only thought was to get as far away from him as possible. After getting off the plane, I headed to the baggage claim. 
A huge group of them surrounded me there. I watched them cautiously. They all began sniffing at me. The sniff is something they do all the time. I think it has something to do with dominance. When I finally got my bag, I left the airport as fast as I could. My parents were right outside waiting to pick me up. I was so happy to see them. I gave them big hugs and told them how much I loved them. This was my last happy moment in Albuquerque. They followed us everywhere we went after that. Whenever I saw one, they would sniff at me to let me know it was them. They would also smile, laugh and stick their tongues out. As time went on, they started coaxing me to go outside alone. I was scared to death that they would kill me, so I refused. Eventually, they threatened to harm my family, which caused me to give in to them. I told them I would do whatever they want if they just leave my family alone. They responded by saying, Go to church. I know they meant the altar, so I agreed to go. When I got to the altar the first time, the people acted very strange. It was unhuman. As I walked into the sermon room, everyone stared at me and began sniffing emphatically. Needless to say, I was scared as hell, but I took a seat. When the service began, a man came and sat down next to me. After he sat down, I began smelling something. It was a smell I had never smelt before. The only thing I can compare it to is a reptile and vinegar. After smelling it, I became very uncomfortable. I tried to remain calm and just sat there quietly until the service was over. When the service ended, they said, you can leave now. After this, I knew I wasn't dealing with the government anymore. I realised whoever I was dealing with was extraterrestrial. I became very, very scared. I received no instructions from them after that. So I began applying for jobs again. Even though I had done exactly as I was told, they still followed me everywhere I went. As time went on, they started harassing me day and night. I began to hear voices more often. The harassment continued for weeks and intensified as time went on. I did my best to maintain my sanity and tried to avoid them. This worked for a while. One day, I was in the bakery at Safeway when I got surrounded by a bunch of old men. Some of them looked at me and sniffed, so I knew it was them. They spoke aggressively. They said, humans are nothing, and the result of a successful genetic experiment. You are a threat to the way these people think, and you can no longer be free in society. Your life is over. You are nothing but a toy. He says they continue to say other explicit things that were so obscene I won't repeat them here. Before they finished talking, I became enraged. It took every ounce of willpower I had not to kill them. 
I left the store and tried to calm down, but it only got worse. The rest of the night, they continually stimulated. It got to the point where I was in serious pain. They finally stopped after I broke down. I became completely distraught. I knew I couldn't take any more, so I attempted suicide. I filled the charcoal grill with lit coals, put it in my car and rolled up the windows. I reclined my seat, laid there calmly, then fell asleep. I should have died, but they woke me up in extreme panic, which caused me to get out of the car. As I slowly regained consciousness, I felt very upset to be still alive. I had no clue where to go at this point, so I decided to check myself into the VA. They shipped me straight to the mental ward, and I was admitted. Nothing improved while I was there. The medication they gave me did absolutely nothing. I just sat there, surrounded by a bunch of psychotic people, and became exasperated. I knew their goal was to ruin my life by making me into a crazy person. I became determined not to let that happen, and I started fighting back. After leaving the VA, everything I tried to do with my life was sabotaged. They didn't want me dead, but they also weren't going to let me live. In desperation, I went back to the altar to ask them what they wanted from me. I didn't know what else to do. Before I tell you their reply, I need to make an important caveat here. I had endured so much abuse by this time that I was numb to them. Just realise I've been tortured more than a prisoner of war. Their response was, we want you as our slave. Thinking they were serious, I sat there waiting for them to do something. All they did was say, keep coming to church. So I did. After a few more services, I found myself talking to Tim Remington face to face. He was telling me that I should consider becoming a minister. We were in mid-conversation when he suddenly revealed himself to me. I had no clue how he did it, but it looked as if his face, his human face, became his real face. It happened for only one or two seconds, but I was able to draw a sketch of what I saw. His eyes really stood out, so they captured my attention. They were huge. Bulging, the eyelids were darker green and the irises were yellow and brown with slit pupils. After witnessing this, nothing else happened. I continued attending the altar for a few more services, waiting for them to do something. But all they did was tell me to surrender and submit. I had no clue what they meant, so I left. I never went back. August 2015 through present time, he says. Idaho. After leaving the altar, they gave me some breathing room. They held back on the harassment, and I began to recover. I decided to make one final attempt at a normal life by pursuing a career as a pharmacist. I started taking classes at NIC to finish up the prereqs I needed. I also started volunteering at a local pharmacy. 
Unfortunately, they followed me. There were several of them in every class I took. They made it impossible for me to study, and they continually harassed me, especially while I took tests. Even with all of this going on, though, I still somehow managed to get an A in A&P during the full semester. Sadly, my success was short-lived. The pressure, the semester, it was far too intense. Every time I got to class, they started manipulating my brain until I got into blind rage. Sometimes they suppressed my brain until I began to black out. They also manipulated my heart rate and blood my body with adrenaline over and over, making me extremely uncomfortable. I want to continue, but I simply can't. Every moment I spend in the classroom is absolute torture. The worst part is, I received an interview for ICU's pharmacy programme. Since I cannot continue with the classes, there's no reason for me to go to the interview. My chance at a normal life has been ruined. They've been depriving me of sleep, so I don't have the strength to continue. I was too smart for my own good, so they decided to remove me from society. They were worried I might change the way other people think, which could lead to problems in the form of scientific revolutions. If we get much smarter as a species, we are going to become a threat to their existence. If you talk to me in person, you'll see I'm not crazy at all. The Martians are just so good at hiding in plain sight that no one would know they exist, unless they revealed themselves. They are able to fool us so well that what I'm saying sounds impossible. However, they are 100% real. Realise their technology is millions of years advanced than ours. Think about that for a second. The President is well aware of them, which is why I wrote him a personal letter. I hope he does something about it. I have done nothing wrong to deserve what's happened to me. I tried literally everything to find a job and they sabotaged me at every corner. Initially I thought the right thing to do was kill myself. But after attempting suicide twice, it became clear they weren't going to let me die. The last resort was to take actions to bring this to the public's attention. I hope something good comes of it. Just realise that I'm a good person and I'm completely innocent. Also realise that the people I killed are not what you think. Read Martian Technology to understand, and again he's referring to his documents. To make it very clear, Tim and John are not wild human beings. Wild humans are normal people like you and I. Tim and John, their minds were controlled from birth by Martians. It's hard to imagine, I know. Nonetheless, it's all true. Why would I give up a career as a pharmacist to do this? If you want to know more, like how I discovered there are multiple species of them, feel free to write to me. Well, after this, he has a Q&A that he's written. In this Q&A, he poses questions that he presumes we would ask him. So one question he put is, why would aliens hide in a church? He answers, same reason terrorists hide in mosques. If you're doing very bad things and you want to avoid getting caught, you'll put up a front to make yourself look like a good person. 
The next question is, how do you know about their technology? He answers, I've seen them use it and they've talked to me about it. This was how I learned about their breeding stock of remote control humans. Physically, they're humans, no different than us. They just lack a mind of their own. The next question is, why would they tell you so much? He says, well, they value me because I'm smart. They were also very confident they could take control of my mind. Turns out they couldn't. He says, they exist at every level of society and every nation, in blue-collar jobs, while others occupy positions of power. They control our government, our military, corporate America. They keep track of every wild human on the planet and manage us like animals in a zoo. Our freedom is a carefully crafted illusion. They are very arrogant, so they told me much more than they should have been allowed to. To understand some of the things they can do, one time I was sitting on a couch and a dollar bill appeared on my lap. Another time while driving, they made a paper bag appear on my passenger seat. They use random unsuspecting items so no one would think anything of it. I was alone both times this happened. I'm pretty sure they can pop in and out of this dimension based on other things I've seen. I'm also pretty sure they can overlap our reality with an alternate dimension. I say this because I've gone into stores where I know the employees and suddenly they are all new employees I've never seen before. Some of the other things I've seen are so strange I literally can't describe them. This all makes sense, though, through their technology, because it's so advanced in so many years from ours, so it shouldn't be incomprehensible to them, but it is to us. He poses the question, why did they target you? He says, they started following me after the encounter that I had with that being through meditation. And since my mind was expanded from the experience, they deemed me a threat to the rest of society. They thought I would change the way people think, so they decided to remove me from society. I'd begun to have profound thoughts about genetics while I was at grad school, which is another factor. If certain ways of thinking are allowed to exist, revolutions will take place, and they could not afford for us to have a revolution in genetics. If we did, we could eliminate cancers and all other diseases that plague us. They need us to remain ignorant and continue struggling. Otherwise, we become a threat to them. This will not make sense unless you are the President, or one of his close friends. Mr President, I want to thank you for your sacrifice to this country, he writes. It's very upsetting to hear you talk about the things they do to you. Why do you let them? I suppose you have no other choice. I've been struggling with them myself for over a year now. I had nothing to lose, so I chose this instead. I could never tolerate that abuse. I hope you don't take any of their threats too seriously. Everything is a game to them. Realise, they consider the entire human race a plaything, including you. They brag to me about what they do to you. I'm sure you already know, but he doesn't love you. Their brains don't even work that way. I don't know you personally but they've shown me a lot about you. You're an amazing person. 
He's referring, of course, to President Obama. He said, stop letting them humiliate you. He says, I wish you the very best with the remainder of your presidency if you're still in there. Stay strong, Martian Brain. I've observed their behaviour for almost a year now. Consequently, I've been able to make several deductions about them. They're fearful and paranoid. The morphology of their brain is markedly different than ours. I know this because I've seen what the infamant look like. The males are extremely aggressive in their society. There's only one thing, and that thing is power. Whoever is the strongest, the biggest, wins. Well, very sadly, he did shoot a pastor, and fortunately the pastor did survive, but what are we to make of his very, very strange manifesto? Was he sadly suffering from schizophrenia or some kind of personality breakdown in the psyche? Or did he really encounter these creatures who took control of his mind? Thank you.